Hey know it alls, welcome back to another episode of the Answers for Everything podcast. This week is a continuation from last week, so if you didn't listen to last week's episode, feel free to do that before you hit play on this one. And if you have listened to last week's and you also want to learn more about our guest, her name is Shiloh Miner. She is a relationship and marriage coach, and you can find all the information about her at shilohminer.com. But before you go check out her website, feel free to listen to her chat about life for the next 45 minutes. similar advice in the in the form of you don't have to stay married like you're treating it like you're in a jail here and you have to put up with this person and therefore you're blaming them for being a man and being different and pissing you off and it's like you asked to get married yeah so if you want to be married this is about acceptance this person is different than you and if you want them to be exactly like you you'll forever be frustrated and like just irritated at them and the other part of that is like you said it's like if you're attracted to men it's because they're different than you that's why we're attracted to the opposite sex because they're different yeah so you you know you you got to take it all all as a package and women will think that they want men to be more like them, but the men who are more like them are less attractive to them. That's your buddy who you never date. Yeah. But that's, that's one of those instinctual things that I don't know, you know, people have been saying for a long time, you know, can't live with them, can't live without them kind of problem. And it's, it's because what's attractive to us instinctually sexually are traits that are not necessarily easy to jive with on like a domestic friend level. They're different traits. Like, for example, men who are attractive have a level of assertiveness, right? Disagreeability. They take charge. They do what they want to do. They have direction in life. Women are not friends with other women like that. They want women who are cooperative, agreeable, everything good plan, no complain. They're very, very flexible. That's how girls are when they hang out together. And it's it's easy. Like there's no issues, right? Um, if you have good girlfriends. And so if you look at your husband and you're like, oh, my girlfriends are like way nicer than you. Well, they probably are. They're more agreeable than your husband is. Yeah. But he's attractive because he's masculine. That's what you picked for a reason, unfortunately. So you think if you had this training earlier on in your life, mm-hmm. how would your past relationships differ than they than they did? Like, do you think, because I mean, you've, you've never, you've dated other people other than your husband, right? Yeah. And you're obviously not with those other people because you're with your husband. So you broke up with those other people or they broke up with you or you drifted apart or whatever happened. Do you think if you had this sort of information that any one of those other relationships would have gone a different path? Like, do you, do you think that you could have made that relationship work? Or did you realize while dating them that I don't, I don't need to make this work? I'm young. I'm just dating. My right guy is out there. I'll eventually find him. Follow him, you know, up north. Follow him to Nova Scotia or whatever made you yeah. guys, you know mm-hmm. have the relationship fall apart but then i'm gonna make it work like do you think mm-hmm. your past relationships would have been different do you think you would have never met your husband all my past relationships were poor matches i can say that pretty unequivocally um 
some of them very poor matches. <laughs> so what I would have done, what I, what I would have understood if I knew this stuff is that I didn't know how to trust my intuition back then. I was always self-doubting. Well, he's a nice guy. Maybe I should like him. You know, maybe I should work this out. Like I was in my head analyzing the whole situation when my intuition was like, this is not a good match, Shiloh. Like, don't force it. I would force things until they were a mess. And partly because I really wanted to get married and I really wanted to have kids. So I had this kind of like, hungry energy which is bad bad for picking relationships so those two things would have changed everything i would have had better a better radar for understanding what a good match is and then also to understand in the situation caused heartbreak that if somebody's confused and confused they're confused don't try to figure that person out it's going to be clear if somebody is into you right if a man really wants to be with you there's not going to be any ambiguity there right um and that's how it was with my husband. So like, honestly, the moment I met him, I was like, here's a man I could marry. And we didn't get together again until a year later, just circumstantially and whatever. Um, and it was immediately that sense of like a, a, a proper match, like a ma- meeting of equals. This person is mature. He's kind of got his shit together. Um, and he was never, you know, confused about us either. Right. It was always clear. So I think the biggest thing that I wish I knew when I was younger is that I didn't know what men wanted out of relationships. And I didn't know that I was the chooser. Like I didn't understand the power that a young woman has. I was all insecure and messed up. Like I'll never get married. And I see women like that now. I'm like, you don't even know like the power you have. (laughs) No, no idea the power you have. And, um, and I also would have understand that again, women don't understand what men are really looking for in a woman. So they try to give the resume like, oh, I'm smart and I do this and I do that. And I'm all wonderful on all these levels. When really it's that emotional connection of a woman who's into you is kind of the first and main point, right? Yeah. Um, so again, I, I just did not know what I was talking about. I was very confused by the whole thing. And I wish that more young women knew because I think that we we veer on both sides, like either staying way too long with people who are awful matches or um, not recognizing good guys when we see them because we don't know what those traits are that women just get lost in that back and forth. So if there's one piece of advice you could give your younger self and any young woman today, what would that piece of advice be? I would say your own mental health is your greatest asset. Go to therapy, understand your triggers, understand what your parents' relationships made you expect from men. Like women are out there hating men because they've had bad bad experiences with men. How are you going to attract a really great man when you are basically suspicious of men, right? Like it, it ties you in knots. So I would say that, yeah, the best thing you can do is, is work on your own mental health so that it basically fixes your radar when you're healthy. When you're unhealthy, you attract unhealthy, right? The more healthy you get, the better kind of person you're able to attract. I think the biggest thing that I want um, women to understand, and it's probably worse for men too, is that if your partner is like, like resistant to talking about the relationship or working on the relationship, it doesn't mean they don't give a shit. Like, it's not just like, they're like, fuck you. I don't want to talk about it. It's usually because the conversation around it has gotten to such a point that they feel attacked. So this conversation is, is not going to go well. I'm just going to be the bad guy again. Like I'm not having this conversation. Um, And so if you're in those shoes, like don't assume that that's doom and that's the end because often a different approach will make a really big difference. And if you don't um, build up to that point by nitpicky, nagging, complaining, then he won't have that thought when you go to approach him to say, let's talk about this, right? That's right. And that's why once you 
like once you heal your relationship to a certain extent, many more things are available for conversation than were, you know, a couple months ago when it was all scary and negative. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure there's stuff that the the woman wants to say to her husband, but she knows how he's going to react to it. So that goes in her little bag of, I'm going to deal with this shit later. And that bag gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And she's like, these are 400 things I dislike about you. And he's like, wow, cool. Um, Maybe you should talk to me 397 things ago. But she was scared right. of it, right? Because she knows yeah. how to react to it. That's exactly what happened. I mean, that's essentially the problem with relationships now. And I say that as like, one of the things that I realized just recently is that more than 50% of marriages end in divorce, right? Well, I always joke that when you get married, you should be handed your wedding certificate and divorce papers. Just sign up. We'll date them later. Like, <laughs> Just get that out of the way. Yeah, you're going to need it. Just here, just sign it. You'll date it later. It's right, fine. Right, right. But there's this, the second part of that is that more than 50% of divorces are initiated by women. So women are more dissatisfied with the state of marriage on average than men are. And what that made me realize is that these are ordinary men and women. These are not abusive men and crazy women. This is the middle of the curve we're talking about. And that's broadly because women are are in the workforce more than ever before, which means they don't value men's traditional roles as much as they used to. If your husband is the only one making the money, that's a really big deal. If you're both making the same amount of money, that's just baseline. You're doing it too, right? So men are experiencing a loss of appreciation for what, used to be a big deal and women are experiencing an increase in expectations. So women, because they can provide for themselves financially, they want to be provided with emotional support and want a listening ear and they want somebody who can um, hold space for them and listen to their feelings. And so when they come out and bring up some negative feeling they're having and their husband gets defensive, there's this huge disappointment that happens in that moment. And that's where they start packing things away in the backpack. Cause they're like, well, I, I want him to hear me when I say I'm sad, I'm trying to communicate here. And he's seeing it as a threat and as an attack, maybe she doesn't bring it up that skillfully, but it's also just the way women communicate. Like women will um, process aloud. So I'm feeling like this, I'm feeling like that and blah, 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 blah. And then if somebody is a skillful listener, if a man can say, oh, you sound really upset. And she's like, yeah, this and that's happening. And he doesn't take it personally and is able to just be with her through it. She'll sometimes talk herself down because we just wanted to get it out. And we wanted to know that you could hear that without, without shoving it back at us and saying, well, why are you still whining? It's your problem and you should shut up now. Um, and so it's the skill of women expressing themselves in a way that's not um, triggering and men being able to listen that is kind of an advanced skill. It's not something our parents or grandparents usually had. And so people are kind of in the dark about what's going wrong. It's weird that you, you say that because earlier you said that you, you work primarily with women. And do you do you not think that if you worked with them together that they would both have a better understanding of what is needed on both sides of the party? The ideal is if you could both work individually. So I have a male's coach who sometimes refers me to the women he works with because he works with couples. So I'll work with women who he'll work with the man. It's just that it's very difficult to get two willing parties. So you'll have sometimes two couples go to a marriage retreat or go to a therapist or something. Often there's one person, it's not always the woman, but more often it's the woman who is more aware and more in touch with the decay of their marriage. And is going, this is not going well. I can see this going downhill. And you have one partner who's more of a stuffer and more an avoider. And so that person who's an avoider, the last thing they want to do is go and break it open. They're like, their whole temperament is to suppress things. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if 
it would be so nice if both people just came to the table that willingly, but there's already so much baggage that it, it's hard to do. So usually when I work with one partner, they'll say at some point, like, should I ask my husband to come do this and come talk about it? I'm like, you know, if he wanted to, if he felt comfortable with that, he would have done it. He doesn't feel comfortable with it. And pressuring someone to do it is, you know, it's not going to, it's going to get worse. I keep thinking of your, your list of priorities and stuff and how you're like, well, the lesser of two evils, you know what I mean? Like sink full of mm-hmm. dishes or my mental health, you know, like I, I need one or the other. It's the same thing. Like when you're talking about the, the couple, like her mm-hmm. priorities are to sort her shit out before dealing with his shit. So her priorities logically should be dealt with first, right? Right. And that's the other way I look at it. Become the person you need to be before you can deal with the relationship you need to have. And it's also the idea that like whoever is in more pain is more motivated, right? Yeah. The person who's really feeling it, they're like, this is urgent for them. And so therefore they're going to reach out. They're going to invest. They're going to prioritize their time so that they can get out of this pain they're in, right? And the person who maybe has lower expectations for relationships or is more of an avoidant type person, it's going to take a hotter heat for them to feel like, okay, we need to do something now. But yeah, you're right. The, the basic premise is that you, you can't get your needs met by your partner until you've soothed yourself down. Like you've calmed yourself down from the edge. You figured out what you want. You stop blaming them for everything. So you, you have this kind of bringing the woman off the ledge experience and with men too, it's the same kind of thing. And then they can approach them because this is about emotional state. It's more about how you feel when you approach someone than the words you use. If you're, if you're regulated and calm and trusting, the other person is going to mirror that and feel regulated and calm and trusting. But if you come on edge and despairing or angry or scared, that's going to alert threaten them too. And so I'll always tell my clients, like, don't, say anything to them for at least a month when we start working. Like just don't bring up anything at all because you're just not in a state to do it effectively. So when you see clients, do you see uh, on average, you you have like a a career woman who's also kids and a husband, or do you see a stay at home mom as a career with the kids and the husband? Like, do you see somebody who has no time left? Cause they're they're pulling all nighters, right? They're dealing with the kids going to work all day. And then they're like, well, now I need to fix my house and now I need to fix my relationship. Or do you see somebody who's, well, I'm home all day with the kids. My husband's at work. So there's different dynamics with, with marriage. Like you talked about earlier, right? Like there was a job that men did. There was a job that women did. Yeah. And more often than not now, women are doing the two jobs. They're going to work, right. work and then they're doing the household work. Whereas the guy would go yeah. to work, work and then, well, I've done the work, work and I'm going to do video games and sit on the couch work, which is yeah. my time. Yeah. With, with the clients you see, do you see more stay at home moms or do you see career women who are also taking care of their children and their husband as clients? So I'll see more career women. And that's partly because women who make a substantial income feel entitled to spend their own money. And most of the women who are stay-at-home moms don't, don't feel, even though they know their work is valuable, they more so have to ask permission to their husbands to invest in something like coaching. So even though those women are absolutely at their last straw, they also don't necessarily have the freedom or empowerment to do something about it in that way. Some of them do the ones whose husbands make a lot of money. And so then they're like, well, you know, he can't complain about this. This is just a little bit. (laughs) Um, um, Mostly it's what, it's what you talked about with the career women who are doing the second shift. And so they're like, I am doing it all. I'm going to break right down. And they have so much anger towards their husbands because the dynamic has become so imbalanced where, he's doing very little at home and she's doing everything at home. And sometimes those women um, have partly 
contributed to the situation by not trusting their husband enough with stuff. So they'll be like, well, it's easier for me to do it. I'll do it. Right. And they kind of paint themselves into the corner by doing everything quicker first. You know, do you think they fear asking for help because their husband's just going to be like, um, just do it. I don't want to. Oh, completely. Or they're going to do it or say they're going to do it. And then just, it doesn't get done. You know, like the, the typical, Hey, can you fix this, this door? fix this door yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i'll yeah. do it on saturday when i'm off work you know seven saturdays pass door's not fixed i'm just frustrated beyond belief oh it's textbook it does happen all the time and even that is kind of like a skill to navigate because if it happens all the time this is what i think now if something happens all the time it's an actual pattern like you could yeah. insert jane john and whoever and they're having the same fight well why are we all doing this we're all very different people with different backgrounds different educations and yet your husband forgets to do stuff and you go crazy, right? <laughs> it happens all the time. And one of the things that I've come to believe is that a lot of times women can't comprehend that men would forget something. Like, because for us, it's weighing on our mental load. Like it's like an, an alarm being like, meh, meh, door, door, yeah. door, 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 door. We can't turn it off. It's stressing us out. It's making us crazy, right? Yeah. And so to see a man forget multiple weekends about this job it's hard to believe but i think that men do forget a lot well, men and women both forget it's just that now nah, i lost it gone okay you forgot what am i talking about here like come on <laughs> but no i here's the thing where it's different in the forgetting and i try to i use this example with my clients all the time if you have a girlfriend and she says i don't like raisins in my cinnamon buns you yeah. block that shit away for eternity you will never ever hand her a raisin a bun with raisins in it because that would be like you're a shitty friend. Like you don't even remember these things. Right. And it's not even like you have to try. That is what you will remember because that's someone you care about. So details matter a lot, right? The way we think about details. And so when we see our husband forget large things like fixing the door. Yeah. But is it large to your husband or is it? That's it. To us, it's really large because we said it right. A woman just has to say something to us and it's registered as large because she says it's large, right? If she's, she has an emotional feeling about something and we catch that now it's large to us. Um, whereas like you said, something might be small to your husband and large to you, but our false interpretation was if he loved me, it'd be large to him too. It's weird. You say that. Cause I keep thinking about your, your whole job now is to help these couples and the women yeah. think that all these things are such large problems and the guys are just sweeping them under the rug. Like, ah, she's just being bitchy. Ah, she's right. just complaining. Right. Ah, whatever. I'm happy. Like, I'm happy. I got my wife. I'm good. I got kids, you know, right. house is getting paid off. I got a job. Everything's fine. So yeah, it's all, all about perspective. She's thinking of it as this huge, huge thing and he's yeah. not giving a shit at all. Right. And that, that, that's a terrible way to make a relationship work. Right. Oh yeah. And it's, and it's, it's that downward spiral, right? Because once she starts feeling like he doesn't give a shit about what she cares about, yeah. she becomes more bitchy, more irritable, colder. And he stops caring more about what she says. And her backpack full of grievances is so big at this point. Yeah, it's so big. There's nothing she can do. You, you can't. It's, it's like Santa's, Santa's backpack, you know, Santa's bag. It's ever flowing, never ends. And this is where, you know, women get this reputation for being like bitchy and negative, whatever. And it's, it's because we don't forget, right? Like that stuff hangs around. We can't forget it. And women will even say to me, like, how can I forget this stuff? They'll want help forgetting because it's so hard for them to forget the shit that pisses them off so much. Um, And what I always tell them is that the way to forget about that is to create something so good that it doesn't bother you anymore. 
the lesser right? Like, people, right? The, the tipping point of a good marriage is when it's easy to forgive your husband for his little indiscretions because you're so happy that like it's easy to let it go. Um, but when things are really bad, everything you let go is just like a new rock in your backpack. Um, and it can get easy. I, I hate that people think marriage has to be such hard work. Like it ha- takes intention and it takes awareness, but it doesn't have to be suffering. Agreed. But our parents sometimes suffered. Maybe that's where we got that message. All right. I've got a couple questions here from some listeners. And uh, sure. it's, it's going to be odd because most of the times when we get questions, because our podcast isn't serious, it's just mm-hmm. talking about weed and, and dicks and stuff and like weird news stories from around the world. And so whenever they ask questions, I think they want like a funny answer, but we're going to like totally mix it up this week and they're going to get a serious answer from somebody who actually does this sort of stuff for a living. Uh, do you know anybody who might be a marriage coach? What? <laughs> All right. So we have Fawn from Michigan and she's like, I feel like my husband never listens to me. What is a quick piece of advice that the answers for everything crew can give me that would get me started on us having better communication? I'm not even going to answer these because my answers are going to be so stupid that, that <laughs> This girl's not going to get any help if she is indeed looking for something. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it with you. Uh, she's looking for a little bit of help to get herself started with her husband listening because he appears okay. to just ignore her. Okay. So it uh, seems like a serious question. That's not a problem lots of women have. So the first thing is to, to understand what you mean by listening. Because um, when you say, you know, when you tell your child to listen, what you really mean is obey, right? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. You don't listen means you don't do what I told you to do. So that's one kind of listening. And the other kind of listening is, is giving you his full attention, right? Actually being attentive when you talk. Um, and so we'll talk about that one because that is what really listening means. Um, you need to tell him what it is you're looking for. So this is providing context, right? Um, and there's assumption amongst women that if you don't give someone your full attention, you're being a huge asshole and you should never, ever do that when they're talking. Um, but I've heard this complaint with many women and I've watched men do it. They'll kind of be like reading the newspaper at the same time, phone at the same time, like other shit at the same time. Right. And this will make a woman's blood boil like nothing else. So you say, Hey, I have something I want to share with you. And I'd really love to have your full attention. It won't take that long. And I'll feel a lot better when I'm done. And then you say your thing. And then when you're done, you say, thank you. I feel much better. And essentially what you're doing is letting him know that his full attention makes you feel good because that's not something he's aware of. He's thinking you're talking about some stuff. He doesn't know the relevance of it. What's the point of this? What do you want from me? Is there something I need to fix? Is there a problem? Like, where are we going with this? And especially if you get in the habit of rambling with long backstory, he's going to ignore you even more. So when you first start doing this, try to keep it to a couple of minutes, three minutes, and then be done so that he knows there's an end to these things and that it works. Um, If you want men to do something for you, they have to experience it being successful afterwards, which is you being happy. And there you have it. A good answer for once. Not not from you, but I meant from the show. (laughs) All right. So we have an email from James and he says, my wife cries all the time and I can't handle it anymore. She used to never be like this, but lately I find that she's too emotional for no reason, and no matter what I say or do or what questions I ask her, she doesn't give me any idea of what's going on. What would you do if you were me? So I know you usually work with women, but this is this is a guy that has an issue with a woman's emotions. 
Yeah, no, that's that's really good because you can see how this is kind of the the mirror to the other question. Um, he's experiencing this as pointless because he can't make her happy at the end of it. No matter what I do, she's never better. So what am I doing here? Um, so the first thing to, to the man is it's not your job to fix her tears. She is having experience. She's having emotions. She's feeling sad, especially if she hasn't given you any concrete problem to fix. She doesn't need you to fix a concrete problem. She wants you to listen. She wants your full attention and for you to be empathetic. So that just means, wow, you're really sad. Like you just seem really sad right now. Yeah. And if she's someone who needs, um, who enjoys physical contact, just hold her and let her cry. Um, and know that that is so meaningful to her. And even if she cries for the next three hours and it doesn't, you don't see the tangible result, like it didn't fix her in that moment. The fact that she's going to you and crying means she still trusts you. It means she looks to you for comfort. And that's not something you want to squander by getting impatient or irritable when she's sad. Um, now, she could be depressed. She could be having all these other issues. But even then, you can listen to her and hold space. And then you can say, look, you know, I'm glad that you trust me with your feelings. And I believe in you. And I'll support you in whatever you need to do to improve this situation. Because... You can make the mistake as a man of trying to solve her problem for her by giving her advice, which is the most hated thing by all women crying. Don't give her advice. Don't interrogate her on the problem. Just express faith in her. Hey, you know what? Complaining about her job. Hey, you know, I know you're going to find a good solution to this. I believe in you. I support you in, in figuring this out. I'm here for you. That's all she needs. It's good advice, and I, I know I'll never follow it because I would rather try to solve the problem. That, just, I know it's hard. It's it's so hard for me to not want to fix whatever I see as the problem. I, I don't know what her problem is. She She's crying, but the problem to me is she's crying. I don't know why she's crying. I just want her to stop crying, right? right. Yeah, usually for me, it's not like, sadly, I'm taking none of the advice because I'm a terrible male. And I'm not empathetic in any way whatsoever. And if there's crying, I just want the crying to stop. Just just stop. So what can I do to fix it? And that's apparently the worst answer, the worst, the worst question I could ever ask her. Well, it's not what can I do to fix it is not the worst answer. Because well, you're, you're, you're asking her if this is something that she wants you to fix. Yeah. Right? It's when you, you proceed with your fixing strategy without question which usually in my experience is an interrogation. Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? Is this the problem? Is this the problem? Is this the problem? And it's kind of like rapid fire. Let me pull apart the details of this situation so I can fix it, which is like, like I'm crying. I'm not thinking straight. You're asking for these, like, I feel like an idiot now because you're poking holes and why are you crying anyways? Like it feels like a judgment and like cornering me when I'm vulnerable. Like if I'm crying, generally my thinking is not very good because I'm stressed and I'm looking for comfort. Um, I know you're not a horrible man. You're just very typical. And I know it's really hard not to fix problems because that's oh, essentially that's so hard your, not to fix a problem. Yeah, it's essentially your whole your whole makeup is to fix problems yeah. and very satisfying to fix problems. And this is something that women need to be aware of. If you give him a problem and let him fix it, then you'll want to do that again. So give him fixable problems more often. Yeah, um, but the door, fix the fucking door. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Fix the door. <laughs> Right. And you know, what also is coming out in that is that the reason why it's so hard for you and many men to be empathetic is because it's a skill you haven't used very often. So you're like, 
I can fix a door. I know how to fix doors, right? That's a job I have skills at. I'm confident at that. Whereas me listening to you in this like wavy emotional space, confusing, difficult, might feel pointless. I might feel insecure about, am I doing the right thing in this moment? And if it'll make a difference. Um, And that's why I say like the biggest thing is to have faith that listening without solving is actually what women are craving. Like we want full attention and we want you to empathize, which is you don't even have to say much. It's just if you can be like, "Mm, yeah, you know, or like, is there more like, (laughs) you know, just these encouragers that women kind of do to each other, like, man, you know, Um, you're not really going to say the wrong thing if you just mirror back her emotions and then you know eventually you have to trust that she'll be done at some point if you do it this way it's really sad overall thinking about that answer because i'm not empathetic and i can't fix a door i i get nothing (laughs) i i I supply nothing in this situation (laughs) nothing at all so i'm just gonna put my headset back on i'm gonna talk to my call of duty friends and i'm just gonna sit on the couch that's that's the answer I give you. You can't solve it, so just play Call of Duty. Call it a day. That's what happens. You just nailed basically the problem with marriage. Or, or I can't it. solve your problems, so I'm gonna play video games. Yeah, and I can watch a YouTube video on how to fix a door. Still can't fix right. the door. I can't. Right. I don't have those skills. I'm not built for that. And the thing is, is that the other thing that sometimes happens is that if you don't have the skills for something, just like admit to it and let your wife hire somebody, because that always becomes a sticking point too. Like, oh. I get someone else to do it now. Now that I'm offended, even though I couldn't fix it or anyways. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm all, I'm all about paying people to do shit for me. It's fantastic. Awesome. I love like, that. Hey, I uh, need an oil change. I can't do an oil change. I mean, sure. I did when I was like 16, but I don't, what am I going to do the oil once I'm done? So I got a bucket full of oil. Where am I going to put it? Oh, totally. What am I going to do? So I got to be under my car for an hour pass. I'll go pay 80 bucks and let Jim do it down to the, the auto place. Like I'm, there's no way like somebody using my backyard, like fertilizing. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to pay the yeah. local kid to fertilize my yard. I just, yeah. I just, ah, it's so much easier for me to solve the problem by paying someone oh, to do it. I completely I don't know agree. How to do it. Yeah. So I have the same thinking. And even my husband and I, like, we're not mechanically inclined either. And it's like, I could spend like YouTube for hours, to, like, fix this problem or like call up the guy down the street who's been doing this since he was 15 and is like, yeah. you know, brilliant at it. So no outsourcing is outsourcing is a really good thing. And it's the same thing for women, right? Women can get someone to come clean or get someone to like watch their kids, but they'll often feel like they shouldn't spend the money on that kind of stuff when it would be a massive load off their minds if they just had a little bit of support in that area. Oh my God. Like we, we talk about it here in our household because we don't have any family that lives out here at all. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. watching the kids is it's either mom or dad or they're in school. So like yeah. we have to manipulate our schedules so that there's always a parent here. I mean, now you don't because yeah. they're, they're in school, but when they weren't in school, yeah. like we didn't have yeah. babysitters. Like I would pay a 15 or 14 year old kid who worked for me to babysit if I wanted to go watch a movie. Like we didn't have somebody to drop yeah. the kids off with. Like, here you go, grandma, watch the kids. Yeah. Here you go, aunt. We don't have anybody out here. So I keep getting told how difficult that is, but I don't know any better. Like I don't, I don't know what it's right. like to have family that, that can help out. I have no idea. And I, I think my life, my life would have been amazing if I had a family member out here that could just watch the kids for an afternoon. Like you said, take a load off, even two hours yeah. with yeah. like no dishes, no laundry, no kids, no wiping counters. Yeah. Just I'm just going to yeah. sit and, and drink a Starbucks coffee and read two chapters of my book and life is fucking good. 
<laughs> like and you know that's so common now like we're the same way we don't have any people and i i have the same thing i've been talking this whole time about how difficult that is and partly it's because like again you want to talk traditionally women had like a crowd of other women doing stuff with them all the time yeah the whole village right needs a whole village and everyone's like oh it takes a village and everyone's like well where's my fucking village like they're not assigned anymore we're super isolated um and so yeah it, it leads to a lot of burnout just because the very structure of our families are, are not sustainable and we need to hire out a lot we need to get with the program that you have to pay for stuff because otherwise something's got to give and it's your marriage like most yeah. of the time right um and i just got a babysitter like a very occasional babysitter like a couple weeks ago and it's like changed my life it's amazing just to know and she just comes and helps like when i'm at home i don't even go do anything <laughs> but like i can cook without getting yelled at and i can like but just you get are doing something done. yeah you're, you're taking a load off by not watching right. the kid so that's that right you can cook a healthy meal for the people you love that's right. I'm not doing anything glamorous is what I mean. Like I'm not going to the movies, but even just like you said, that support is so valuable. And I hear women talking a lot about babysitters who are like very well-employed women. And I'm like, why are we so afraid to let help someone help us? Yeah. Like this is not a drastic expense to get an 18 year old to come watch your kids for a few hours. And no. when you consider what you're mortgaging, which is your mental health in your relationship, it's like the best investment you can have. I agree. I think any time away from your life is a yeah. great investment, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I this, since like COVID hit, I, I'm a, a big traveler. That's what I do with my time and my money. I, I travel. Mm -hmm. Other than mm -hmm. the stuff you see behind me, like comic mm -hmm. and toys, that, mm -hmm. that's the old me. But yeah, the new me is all travel. And the last two years, I haven't been able to do anything. Yeah. So I've been losing my mind slowly. I just I just spent it working. It's yeah. like, I, I'm not going to take the day off so that I can sit at home. Like, right. I sit at home every day when I'm not at work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't need to take an entire day to sit at home. That's just a waste of time. <laughs> right. And I, I recently went to Cancun for like five days. And I cannot describe how better I feel mentally just no no wife no girlfriend no kids no nagging siblings no work just just me beach yeah and right. walking around it was I didn't set an alarm I can't remember the last yeah. time I didn't set an alarm like my alarm I have like seven alarms a day between <laughs> gymnastics and baseball right. soccer and school and work it's just like I have so many fucking alarms I, yeah. I didn't have to set any. I did for one day to go on an excursion. Other than that, I slept till I wanted to sleep, woke up, did shit for me, and it is so necessary. So spend the yeah. extra money. Get that, that babysitter in there. Just just do even yeah. if like you sit at home, it's still worth yeah. it to not have that load of that one thing you didn't want to deal with. I totally agree. I think it's awesome that you went on that solo holiday. I've got a, a solo wellness retreat coming up in June. I did the same I did one last year in June, same thing. I was like, what am I doing not taking some time actually away from my family? Yeah. Otherwise, I'm on deck 24 hours a day, which is ridiculous. It's like the, the two jobs again, right? Yeah. Your, your whole day is filled with work, no matter yeah. if you're getting paid for it or not. It's still that's work. Right. And that's not a healthy way to live. So I've kept you here for over an hour, and uh, okay. I do apologize for that. It's a long one. But I, I have a we, – we do something here called Would You Rather, where we ask – Okay. Stupid questions of you have to make a choice, but we, we keep talking about the lesser of two evils all day, right? That's all we've been right. talking about. So right. priorities. So right. where, where are your priorities here? So would you rather <laughs> yeah. be married to someone 
who is great at conversation, but terrible in bed? I knew that was coming. Or would you rather be married to someone who's great in bed, but an absolute terrible conversationalist? Definitely be, because you can talk to anybody, but you can't have sex with anybody. Ah, uh, sorry that I made you choose. Does your husband, which which category does, never mind. <laughs> He's got both. Both, honey. Both. Look at that. You win. Don't get married to someone who doesn't have both. And you almost, you almost lost that, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, That's good. Cool. That's it. Yeah. So, number two, would you rather date a man who cries at the slightest thing, like stubbing his toe or the shower water was too hot when he stepped into it, or he sees a sad TV commercial, or a manly man that doesn't show any emotions whatsoever at all, whether or not it's pain, love, or sorrow. Nothing. Oof. Oof. That's a hard one. That's a really hard one, and I'd say that's kind of the dilemma a lot of women kind of experience in their dating lives. They kind of date the guy who's an emotional wreck, and then they date the guy who shows no emotion, and they're like, damn it! Okay, so this is date or marry. Oh, hold on. That's a good that's different. That yep. is different. Yeah, that, that's a lifetime, right? Yeah, and that's also different <laughs> needs. I mean, right? in, in all fairness, when you're, when you're dating, isn't dating sort of like the you don't date to not plan to be with them later, right? This is how I look at it. If you have kids with someone, there you need different things out of them than okay. if you're just enjoying their company as two adults. So not different. just marriage, but marriage and family. Yeah, I kind of together in my head. Okay, because well, I mean, nowadays people get married and don't have kids, and as much as I, and they have kids and they don't get married so that's yeah. kind of traditional perspective in my mind as much as i love my kids i applaud the people who have the double income and no expenses right like Seems all, kind, of, kind of glorious oh my god all the freedom in the world and <laughs> yeah. the hat can you can just go do shit anyway i mean i just want to say i love my kids wouldn't change yes. it for anything but so yeah it's a date not marriage so you date the guy that cries at stubbing his toe or the shower water's too hot and he stepped into it instead of just like testing it first. He's just, he can't handle shit. He's watching a Sarah McLaughlin commercial. He's just crying like a little baby. I would date, I would date the emo guy. So if it was marriage, I would pick the stoic man because you need somebody who's not a fucking mess. If you're raising some kids with them and they need to not turn your life upside down. The emotional guy will probably not be very reliable. You can't count on him to like, pay the bills properly and do shit, but he's going to be super romantic. So you could have a lot of good times when he was, when he wasn't crying. <laughs> he would start crying in, in, for the romance. Like you would get home from a long day's work and he'd be like, I made you this steak with, with broccoli. It's so beautiful. And you're like, Oh my God, I just fucking got home, buddy. Like, come on, like, give me two minutes without you crying. So like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the calculation I'm making. If you're the guy who cries about a whole bunch of nonsense, you're probably very expressive emotionally all the way around. So I'm expecting the good side of it too. Yeah. Right. You're not just a sniveling like, oh, because the opposite of the stoic guy who shows no emotion is the guy who shows every emotion. And those guys are like, that's like the toxic boyfriend. Isn't that like the guy that girls can't get away from? She likes them because he writes her poems and like plays a guitar and is like this big sap. But then he also like melts down when she doesn't show up for something. I don't know. I've I've never dated dudes and I've never been a woman, so I can't tell you what women are looking for. But I mean, all of that sounds pretty good. Uh, a guitar yeah, player, women, a stoic man. I women, mean, can I roll them all up into one? Can I somehow just say, uh, can I date both of them at the same time? Oh, well, that's that's the fantasy. That's the rom-com fantasy. Can we live you know to what the- it is? You know what? You know what? The fantasy is a man who shows emotions 
but only the ones that are loving and affectionate, right? So men will say, oh, women don't like when men show emotion. We'll say, yes, we do. Yes, we do, right? <laughs> but that's because we want him to show romantic emotions to us. We don't want him crying when his shower is too hot. Well, I mean, the way the future is going, you could get one of those built for you. It'd be a nice little robot. You could keep it in the <laughs> closet. It'll cook for you. It'll clean for you. It'll watch your kids. And it'll tell you how much it loves you. It loves right. you, not he. I, I saw a little emo robot. My son really wants to buy a robot. And so we've been looking at robots on, on YouTube. He never is going to have the money for a long time. But I'm trying not to squash <laughs> his dreams. So um, there's this little, like, Japanese emo robot with, like, these big eyes, you know? And my son was really like, oh, he's so cute. Like, my son's really emotional that way. And he totally was getting sucked in by, like, this emotional support robot. <laughs> well, the future is now. That's right. All it's right. Easier. Well, Mama, go work really hard, save your dollars, and uh, buy your kid the emo robot. <laughs> yeah, we may do it one day. Yeah. Well, it was awesome chatting with you. You too. This is really fun. And I got a lot of information, and I've learned that I'm I'm a terrible man for how I would choose to do things, but I'm also a typical man. So you know what? I could take comfort in knowing that I fit in with almost everybody else, except for the stubbing toe, crying, whining, yeah. hot water, dogs dying, whatever. I'm not saying I'm not emotional. I, I, I watch Ted Lasso and I cry like a little bitch. I'm not kidding. I, I cry at Ted Lasso. I've, I've seen the series like both seasons three times now. And I still cry at the same things. I, I think there's something wrong with me. I don't know. There's a question. Did you just start crying more recently or were you always like that? Um, No. I, I feel that the the older I'm getting, the more I realize uh, for myself. Like I've always loved me. Like I, I love me a lot. And I've mm -hmm. learned in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, uh, saying I'm sorry is so easy. It used to be so impossible. I, I make mistakes every single day. Like, I fuck mm -hmm. things up at home. I fuck things up with my kids. I fuck things up at work. And I've learned that as soon as I say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry I did that, the, the, the eyes light up in the room. And they're like, holy fuck, that, that, the dude runs the place and he just said sorry for causing an inconvenience for a 15-year-old kid. Or uh, my kid came home a couple months ago and I was downstairs doing something and the door slams open and he's like, he's, he's eight and he's like, I don't want to play with you. You guys are really mean and I don't know why you'd say that. And I just like walked the five steps upstairs and go, hey guys, what's up? And like my son is crying and his two friends are outside with another kid that I don't know. And they're like, oh, they were, they were picking on me and pushing me at the park and calling me losers and like LL on my forehead. And they were like doing weird uh, Fortnite dances to make fun of me. And I just lost it on these kids who I know these kids. I was like, hey, if you guys are going to be fucking assholes to my kid, don't invite him out to play. If, if you want to play with him, play with him. If you don't want to play with him, don't play with him. But don't treat him like shit. Like, how does it make you feel right now that I'm calling you a fucking asshole? And these are like an eight-year-old eight -year kids, right? And they're just looking at me and their eyes are welling up and they're about to cry. It's like, it doesn't feel good, does it? Like, not at all. And then, you know, I said, get the fuck off the property. Right. And then yeah. I talked to my kid for like five minutes and he's like, where are you going? He's like, well, I need to go apologize to your friends and to their mm. parents. And he's like, why? I go, because I was an asshole. So I mm. walked a couple of houses down and the dad was outside having a cigarette. And I was like, hey, man, uh, you probably already heard that I yelled at your kids. I want to apologize to you and them. But can I talk to them first in front of you? And he's like, yeah, man, go, go for it. He's like, I, I know exactly why you did it. I know exactly mm -hmm. why. I was like, yeah, but. So the kids came out and I was like, hey guys, I just want to apologize. Like what I said was a total like dick move and I'm an asshole and I'm sorry for that. Like mm -hmm. I, I shouldn't be treated like that. But I, I just want to let you know that if you want to play with my kid, play with my kid. If you don't mm -hmm. want to play with my kid, don't play with my kid. And the mm -hmm. kids are like, he was the other guy. We're not really his friend. 
And the dad is like, yeah, that kid isn't allowed in our house. Like Kingston mm. can come and go in our house whenever right. he wants. But that guy was, right. he instigated everything. And my kids just played along because they were scared of him. I was like, well, I mean, that right. doesn't excuse me being an asshole. Right. I'm a grown man. And I'm yelling at an eight-year-old kid. And it, the, the dad and mom chat with me all the time. The kids play. is like, I, I, I think I taught my kid that was super important to apologize for yeah. being a dick. Yeah. But yeah, it's really easy to say sorry, I find. And uh, emotionally for crying, like for your original question, I don't, I don't cry for like anything. But for some mm-hmm. reason, when I watch Ted Lasso, it's, it's not about sadness. It's, have you ever watched it? No. It's just. I don't know what it's about. It's if do you have Apple TV? No. Oh, you're you're you are seriously missing out by not watching Ted Lasso. I I don't watch TV shows again and again and again. I just don't. I have watched mm-hmm. this one so many times. It is amazing. Wow. It is. It it's fish out of water. Football coach moves to London to coach a UK football, which is soccer. He's mm-hmm. a football coach in Kansas. And so, he's teaching soccer. Yeah, but he knows it. He knows he's going there to teach okay. soccer. Okay. And he brings his coach, his assistant coach with him. And you find out through this series that he's there for a nefarious reason, but not on his reasoning. Like the somebody mm-hmm. else brought him there for something. And you find out that he and his wife are getting a divorce. So he's leaving her in Kansas and he's missing his kid. And it's just he teaches you as the viewer that no matter how much of an asshole a person is in front of you. If you can like brush it off and give them a hug, that might just make that person a better person by the end of the day. And it is so just emotional. It's just emotional. It's amazing. I I highly recommend it of any TV show that I've seen in the last like 10 years that Ted Lasso, it's like 12 episodes, two seasons, maybe, maybe 20 episodes at the most. But if you have an Android box or a Fire Stick, you want to have a tissue time with Shiloh. <laughs> just... It's good to have a good cry. It kind of feels good, doesn't it? No, oh, it's amazing. I don't. Yeah. I don't watch it to cry. I right. Because it <laughs> it's just yeah, a yeah. guy who keeps getting kicked and he keeps getting down, and all he does is like brush it off and stand up and be like, right. "I'm better than this. You're better than this." And they're just like, "I'm wow. better than this. I just knocked you down." Like. <laughs> Don't tell me I'm better than this. It's like, you are not <laughs> This isn't you. That's amazing. That sounds really cool. So that, that's my advice for TV and stuff. Okay. And emotions. Yeah. Just don't tell anybody, okay? Just between us. Yeah, just being us. I won't tell anybody you cry at the show. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, we've got four listeners, so they're going to know. But, I mean, one of them is my mom. and They're going to bully you now. They're going to be like, yay, cry yeah. baby. Well, you're not a man. They're going to get mad that I yell at little kids. Is what they're going to do. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, you know, Papa Bear, you know, saw his kid crying. So, yeah. It, it, the, my my husband's favorite stories about her, his mom is when he, he cut she cussed out the neighbor kids on his behalf. That's like his memory of her. So d- does he think of it as like, a, oh, my mom stuck up for me. I'm a man. I don't need that. Or was he like, oh my god, my mom stuck up for me. I'm so happy. Yeah, like he was he was a little kid. I think what happened was the neighbor kids stole one of their like big toys. So yeah. him and his brother went over there and beat the shit out of them. All right. And then the mom came back to to his house and tried to tell off his mom and she tore a strip off her and like was like, You're a little brat kids game stole kids <laughs> thing and they were like behind her like ah, yeah. super happy that their mom had took their side. That's awesome. All right. Well, I'm gonna let you go. I want to say thank you for stopping by. 
thank you for listening. Thank you for chatting. Thank you for taking the time. I know between time zones and, you know, husband and two kids and trying to run your own business, you're busy as, busy as fuck, right? Yeah. I appreciate you uh, working it all out too. We planned this like two months ago, I think, and made wow. it happen. So good for us. Well, we're busy people, but you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're starting a business and that's, that's going to take, I, I know what that's like. And that's a lot more work now than it is once it's up and running flawlessly. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So good for you. Good on you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a lot of fun and it gives me lots of opportunity to learn things and grow, which is a big part of staying happy in my books. That's good. Well, I'm happy to hear it. So uh, I'm going to go. Okay. Sounds good. So, peace Have out, know-it-alls.